Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Are you looking for a designer to help you with your next product or startup? When I'm not working on the show, I'm busy working as an award-winning chief design officer and have been doing software design for startups and other companies for over 20 years. I'm also a published author and recently sold a startup to a multi-billion dollar company. For more information, visit kevinhorick.com. That is K-E-V-I-N-H-O-R-E-K.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Jason Withers. He's the certified... Uh, let me try that again, sorry. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Jason Withers. He's a certified profit first professional. Jason, welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. Thanks very much for having me on the show today. Really yeah, pleased I'm, to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you're doing is is actually very much needed. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better. And uh, maybe let's start off with kind of where you grew up and, and walk us through uh, where you went to school. And then we'll we'll dive deeper. Perfect. Right then, all the, all the way back to the beginning then, I suppose. Sure. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> lived in the UK all of my life. Um, grew up uh, in a place just outside of Bedford, about 50 miles north of London. Um, and that's where I did all of my senior schooling. Okay. Um, reasonable student, but preferred all the sporty side, Got to you. be fair, rather than compared to the studious side. Sure. Um, and then made my way off to Liverpool. Okay. Famous through the Beatles, of course, and plenty of good footballing clubs. Sure. Um, uh, accounting and finance degree, which is where my, my starting point with finance really began. Okay, so what made you um, want to take that uh, in school? <laughs> well, actually, it was, it was more the premise of okay. uh, the idea that people would always need their money looking after was the basic idea. So it, it seemed as if it would be one of those career for life kind of ideas. You know, it doesn't really matter if the economy is doing well, bad is up or down, people would always need their money looking after. And I'd always enjoyed um, the economics and math side of things that I'd done at school as well. So it just seemed like a, a reasonably natural extension. Although, um, to be fair, after three years, the one thing I'd worked out that I didn't want to be was an accountant, funnily enough. Okay, and wh why was that? It, well, to be fair, I think in the online world now, we're so used to how people present and how things are made to look so simple and straightforward in terms of actually being able to hook up via video or audio devices, transatlantic, you know, across continents and so on now. And I was faced with these professional accounting bodies who made it sound like the dullest job you could possibly want to go and do in the world. <laughs> there was no, there was no, um, uh, let's say, presenting skill really involved in convincing that audience. It was really like saying, well, you've done an accounting degree, surely you want to be an accountant. And um, that really didn't, didn't do it for me. What I had worked out, though, was that I really liked the idea um, of getting more involved in the commercial side of finance. To be fair, the bit, the bit about how people actually make money in business. How do companies make a profit or a loss for that matter, of course. Sure. So that was the bit that really... Um, that really enthused me. So 
uh, I ended up, um, believe it or not, actually working for builders merchants. I did a graduate training scheme and that was really all designed to give you a good all round um, commercial business background, I suppose. The idea being you'd work in different parts of the business and then work out what you were good at, what you liked, company would do likewise, and hopefully there was a fit at the end of that process. Um, as it happens, uh, the branch that I actually joined was losing probably around quarter of a million, $300,000 a year at the point when I joined it. Wow. Um, and was one of the top 10 loss-making branches in the country out of about 145 branches. So as much as that sounds like it shouldn't have been a good thing, it was the single most beneficial thing I think I've had uh, as a set of circumstances during my career. Because that moment where you learn about how you actually get to turn around a business, sure. and how it comes back to some very fundamental and actually simple principles, um, have stayed with me all the way through my working career and have become a cornerstone of how I've worked with clients subsequently. So taught me some incredibly valuable lessons. Um, but to be fair, after three years, I've been running the branch for the last 18 months of that time. Um, and quite frankly, having got it back to break even, I was absolutely shattered. That was a seven day a week existence. Wow. Um, but I did learn to drive a fork truck, forklift truck in that time, I suppose. So there are benefits all round. <laughs> but I moved down to London to live with my now wife, um, repped for Plum Centre for a year. And then she introduced me to a design agency where I went back into a full-on traditional financial role. Um, and I was there for 14 years um, as CFO. And that was an agency that grew to about $8 million in size over time. Um, recession happened 2008, 2009. Took a while to catch up. Um, and business was changing a lot and certainly was changing in the agency world a lot in London at that point in time. Lots of splinter agencies breaking away from the larger agencies. So people still needed some kind of financial management, but not necessarily full-time personnel. So around about 2010, 2011, um, I started pursuing a sort of portfolio CFO career. And that then moved on in time to working for the UK government on their growth accelerator, business growth coaching scheme, um, which has now been disbanded. But that, was, um, that went on for a good couple of years. Um, and that really ended up getting me into this place of mixing that CFO skill base, business growth coaching and consultancy sort of all in one melting pot, if you like, as a bit of a hybrid role with businesses. Interesting. So what made you actually decide to start your own company and become a certified profit first uh, professional? <clears throat> so the, I'll take that in two parts if I can, Kevin, actually. Sure. The, um, the, the first part was really around how business had changed. Um, and I loved the commercial overview. We were an agency of just under 50 people, um, good commercial role. But as time moved on, I ended up getting pulled back into more, more of the um, technical, tactical, transactional end of life, um, which I didn't really enjoy, um, to be fair. And I just felt that there was, there was a far better future available really working that portfolio existence, retaining the commercial edge that in that piece that I loved um, as really being the focus of what I wanted to do going forward. The profit first piece for me has really, I suppose started about three years ago. Um, I was on a retreat out in Key West um, and was introduced to it at that point in time. And then followed closely alongside with that. And obviously as online business has come more to the forefront over recent times as well, it fits in beautifully as a system 
for owner managed businesses generally and very much the online entrepreneurial space. Um, and that really seemed like a missing, missing piece of, of my own puzzle, to be fair. Um, the traditional accounting that I'd grown up with and used within businesses and clients, this was something just much simpler, um, I think, for, for a business owner to understand. Interesting. So walk me through the types of stuff that you do, because it sounds so simple, like profit first, but that's actually quite challenging. <laughs> I think, I think to, be, to be fair, it, it's one of those things. It is fundamentally simple, but like so many things in life, we seem to feel the need to overcomplicate a lot of things that we do. Sure. Um, and I think as we, as we now live in, a, in an ever more um, systemized and, and automated world, um, we, we like the idea of these things being quick and simple, but we never quite trust them either to some degree. Interesting. Um, one of the parallels that I draw for people about it as a, as a concept is this idea that we have, we've grown up knowing how to run a bank account probably since we were teenagers. Seems to be a pretty common starting point for when people had their first bank account. Um, not everybody for sure, but there are plenty of people who have been running bank accounts sure. at a personal level for years. We understand how we feel when money goes into that account. We understand most definitely what it's like when we see the balance deplete as a month goes on. And then of course the joy of it being refilled again. So I think that some of these things really, we have this tendency to overcomplicate and most of the time we don't actually have to. And that really is, is part of the beauty I think of, of Profit First as a system. Certainly in the 30 years that I've been around finance um, in owner managed businesses, it is by far and away the simplest concept for business owners to understand, but we've spent so much time trying to do it the hard way. It can sometimes be um, challenging, let's say, to unpick and regain the trust and help people to understand they don't need an accountant on side all the time. They are in control of their money. They can have power over how they manage their money. And these are, these are challenging mindset concepts for people quite often. Um, and that actually is, is really where the work starts, is that mindset piece really encompassing as much as we can about our own human behavior to actually trust how we are wired as humans anyway to help us use that side of what we have to manage money in our business. So we use two fundamentally simple systems, pay yourself first system and the envelope system. And that really is, is, is the crux of it. The funny thing is, as simple as they are, and as much as many people are familiar with those systems, very few people actually implement them off their own back. And even in circumstances you tend to find where people have done, it doesn't take much to derail them. Um, accountability and that self-accountability piece comes into play. The moment that people think, oh, I like that, I'll just go and buy that, they derail their own systems very quickly. So I think it really comes back to this idea, we just like to collect things together keep it nice and simple, straightforward, trust the process, trust the system, and that we're actually wired to handle money in a, in a much more straightforward way than we think we have to. Interesting. So how do you actually work with people to maybe not necessarily change their mindset, just get them focusing on kind of that direction? Because that's got to be a bit challenging in itself. 
so there are i think there are there are two simple things around that actually most people and certainly in owner manager world have um have taken on running a business principally for two reasons they believe it will give them more time and more time freedom um and they believe that they will ultimately end up earning more okay but one of the things that actually happens by and large is that as much as it sounds like a nice idea people start pouring more and more and more time into their business and what actually happens is they don't pay themselves first at all they right. end up paying everybody else first and making sure that everybody else is being looked after and as we collect all of these things around us in business that dream of more time and more money for ourselves just seems to get further and further away so i tend to talk about it in terms of four headline pieces um we should get a reward for taking the entrepreneurial risk of running a business and that's the profit element we should pay ourselves first there's the owner's pay element we should set money aside for taxes the government are the people who ultimately will not let it go when they're owed money they'll come and ask for it for sure so we have to protect the business against that and then we have to actually use whatever is left to serve everybody else and run the business in that way so this idea that people end up doing business back to front because they start with service probably aren't protecting the business and um, they might be paying themselves something but they're probably not taking as much profit out of the business as they could or should is one of the things that people tend to identify with they know why they started out and they know exactly where they are now and they tend to be very different feelings by the time i start working with people the second part of it is really by saying to people look keep things simple right from the beginning put one percent of all of the money that comes in into a separate bank account and set it aside now it doesn't fundamentally matter how big your business is or what your revenues are most businesses can afford to put one percent aside doesn't matter if it's a thousand dollars a month ten thousand dollars a month hundred thousand dollars a month million one percent you can cover out and okay. start to adjust how you're living in your business to accommodate that and that is a simple thing for people to consider and think about it's a very simple move that they can make straight away to start creating what we would call the profit habit okay interesting so so what exactly is that how how sorry how do you mean like so Okay, so I, I take 1%, right? And then how do I actually figure out like if how I like if I'm paying myself enough or if I'm profitable enough to actually take more or less money out? How does that kind of work? So that would all come out in, in the next part of, of the work that we do. And that really is trying to understand and do the deeper piece of work. The 1% piece is a very superficial anybody could go and do that today and fundamentally be fine they would make the business fit within the other 99 percent along the same lines as they're doing now but what we do to start out with is what we would call the initial profit assessment and that would tell us exactly what the business is actually doing now across those four elements of profit owners pay tax and operating expenses and that becomes our starting point and the most important thing about this is it doesn't actually matter what the answer is. The most important point is we have an answer and we have a starting point and the business owner is committed to the idea that they are going forward from this day. It doesn't matter how their business has been run in the past. Once we have that starting point, we can always from there start driving forward. 
What then happens is we have a set of benchmark levels where the top profit performing companies live and they become our target levels. And as we go through life, we basically move people from wherever they are now up to those target levels on a quarter by quarter process. So it's a fully planned experience, but it's, it has to start with that deeper piece of work around understanding exactly where we are now across those four elements. And then we make things work in a way that starts to look at how much operating expense there is in the business. What can we do with that? How do we get more tax money set aside? And that's how we start to balance the business. And as it grows, make sure that more of that growth money is going into profit rather than just funding more expenses. Sure. And then do you also help companies optimize maybe what they're spending or, or how they're spending their money or, or where they can maybe not spend so much money? Absolutely. That's a operating expense review is a core part of the work that we end up doing. It's amazing how much money we spend in businesses. And that also includes solopreneur businesses as well. We subscribe to all sorts of things that we don't actually use quite to the level that we ever thought we were going to. We buy things that we don't really need that don't move us forward. So actually going through that operating expense um, uh, agenda, as it were, and actually looking at those operating expenses particularly from the point of view of making sure that we are keeping expenses in place, which are actually contributing to what's going on in the business um, and getting rid of the ones that really don't have a place anymore. And that's how we start to rebalance ultimately what is happening between operating expenses and the profit end of the scale. And typically people are heavily loaded at the operating expense end of the scale to start with. Um, and that's why they don't have the money set aside for tax. It's why they're not getting the profit out of the business. It's why they're typically not paying themselves as much as they could or should do. And that's just a little bit of guidance and investigation to help people go through that process. Sure. No, that, that makes sense. So how, though, do you figure out if a business should be more profitable than it really is? Because... Is it a lot of kind of data and, and research or, or walk us through how you figure that out? So, it, as I say, it really comes back to doing that initial assessment. Okay. And that, that typically happens in one of two ways. It's either information taking straight out of someone's accounting system, which okay. gives us the breakdowns that we would need in the way that we look at it as a starting point. For people who aren't running life through a formalized system like that, then we obviously have other ways of gathering that data and piecing it together um, to create that starting point. And it really is just about investigating and bringing those things together in a skilled way to give us the picture of where that business is now. Once we have that picture, then we understand what we have to do to move it forward and the different things that we have to look at. Sure. So at what point in a company's lifespan is kind of your sweet spot? Is it pretty like they need to be up and running and, and generating revenue? Do you like to maybe do it a little bit earlier, maybe a little bit later? Where is Where do you guys kind of see it's best for you guys to come in and help out? Well, the, the reality is most businesses um, seem to think that you have to be of a size before ideas around profit first actually have any weight it's okay. this idea that you need to have a body of transactions you need to have been trading um to actually put it into place i actually start from a different perspective okay it's a fabulous time to start using profit first as a startup business 
And one of the reasons is you don't end up with any bad habits to unpick. Uh -huh. You actually start out targeting the top profit performing levels when you start your business. So consequently, you end up in a position where you make sure that things are balanced or at least much more tending towards the right balance with more in that profit perspective and keeping a tight rein over those operating expenses as your business begins. And as we do that, that then starts to ingrain the behavior as the business grows to make sure that we don't then get out of kilter with it because we've got used to the idea that we protect the profit element within the business right from its starting point. And, that's, and that idea then stays with us as the business grows. Um, for larger businesses um, or businesses that have been up and running for a while, invariably there is some work to do to unpick, unpick what has been done but just to reframe how things have worked previously. And that again is just about part of the skill of actually taking a business and where it is at a point in time and reviewing that in terms of how it needs to shift and change to accommodate um, getting to those top profit performing levels over time. Okay, no, no, that, that makes sense. So do you maybe want to give us some examples that startups or founders can, can do early on that maybe you see them do all the time that you say, oh, you, we need to like undo that or you really need to start doing it more like this. Do you want to give us some examples and then maybe give us some examples for current existing businesses that have been around for a number of years? Sure. I think, it's, I think it, it starts really with this idea that We've all been brought up on, the, on that traditional accounting equation of sales minus expenses equals profit. Right. And the thing about it is um, there is a piece of, within our natural behavior called the primacy effect that effectively means we value what comes first. That means in that equation, the word expenses comes before profit. So we end up focusing on this idea that profit is the bit that is left. It is the bottom line. It is the last thing. And actually, the idea, we, we switch that around a bit and we now take it to be sales minus profit equals expenses. So now we focus more on what we want the profit to be in our business and we have to make the expenses fit. So it doesn't matter whether or not we're actually in startup mode or whether we've been in business for a while. That principle tends to actually uncover the idea that, um, that really we've been running things back to front a bit. We've been giving too much weight to the idea of expenses rather than focus on that commercial non-negotiable of making a profit. So, you know, typically in established businesses, I've mentioned things like subscriptions would be a classic example. And even in owner managed businesses, you know, we collect subscriptions for marketing things um, as well as, you know, private social things like Netflix, for example, and we don't always use them they don't always have and serve the purpose in our business that we ever thought that they would. And that principle really, I think is, is one that tends to carry on. It really is about going through a process of saying, do I really need this today? Can I live in my business without it? And quite often we find that when we actually question that, we don't need these things in our businesses. We're really just looking to spend money because we feel like we need to spend money when in actual fact we don't. So really bringing people back to a point of, of questioning whether or not the money that we spend in a business is actually adding to the business or whether it's detracting from the business is a very key thing that we do. So, you know, people spend money on all sorts of things, to be fair. 
you know i've worked with companies two million dollars spend very little on marketing they don't have to it's just not how they do business and i've worked with companies who spend an absolute fortune on it and don't make any money but feel okay. the need to carry on spending marketing money but that tends to be because they don't have the data behind the marketing work to actually decide what really is working and adding to the business and what they're spending money on and is detracting from the business so it can crop up in all sorts of places you often find people carry more staff for traditional brick and mortar style businesses there are obviously more staff around than people truly need but we just get into a zone of comfort where we think we need all of these things all of the time so actually just being able to go into a business and ask questions like why do you have these people why do you spend the money on these marketing things actually becomes a point where the business owner starts to recognize they're either going to justify and work out to a greater level exactly why they need those things in their business or it actually makes them just stop and think and say no you're right maybe i don't need that okay we'll cut that out either way from my perspective that creates a win-win scenario because the business owner starts to become attuned to the idea that we just question what we spend our money on fundamentally the more money we spend on other things it leaves less money available for that business owner so that doesn't tend to be a particularly difficult bridge to cross with business owners it's just a question of then actually doing the work and going through the iterations to actually make sure that we really are trying to optimize the money that we spend in the business no that that makes sense well and it also sounds like just having an objective third party like you guys come in and, and look at everything and, and question everything, not from a negative stance, just saying like, okay, you're spending X amount of dollars on marketing. How, how's that doing? Are you guys getting a return on that? What's the return on that? Just figuring that out, right? I think sometimes people just get so stuck in doing the same thing over and over again that they don't really objectively look at some of that stuff, right? Or have you found that? Uh, no, absolutely true. Um, and I think it is, it is very much a case of um, we do things and they become habitual in terms of how we spend money. We then get a bit scared about stopping spending the money because we don't really understand what's going to happen if we stop spending the money. So we carry on spending the money. And it really becomes one of those moments in time where you, you, have to, you have to look at it and you have to be capable of taking an external view on those things. You have to be able to come back at it objectively. And of course, business owners are in their business all the time. It's difficult for them quite often to see outside of that at that level. They're in it, they're getting the questions from staff, suppliers, clients all the time. And actually just taking time out to sit back and say, why are we doing this? Why do we need to do this this way? We place great store at Profit First in the concept of innovation when it comes to expenses. So is there a different way that we can become more efficient? Is there a way that we could make this dollar work a bit harder for us? Do we actually have to spend the dollar in the first place? What could we do instead? Is there a free alternative? So it's really taking people through these layers. And I think, again, one of the things that people don't tend to realize is is how much is actually available in the world in terms of resource and capability systems automations these sorts of things can have massive time savings for people sat in the background if we're prepared to actually do the work of identifying these things in the first place so i think it is it's a progressive thing um, it should be seen as being a positive thing we are basically trying to make sure that business owner ultimately gets not only to to take the reward out of their business that they should 
but that that business owner gets to realize their dream around the impact that they want to make in the world. Now, that could be in a business sense, it could be in their personal life, it could be socially in terms of giving back, all sorts of possibilities. So from my perspective, the more that we can do to help business owners understand how to safely and effectively collect more profit within their business, it gives them far more available with which to go and make that impact in the world. That could be about employing people. It could be about developing products that have benefits for other people. It's all sorts of aspects of it. So it's always in our interest to help the business owner get to that point where they also get to realize their broader dreams, as well as the very personal one about actually earning the profit from their business. Interesting. So how do you guys kind of track the progress of this? Do you do it kind of monthly, quarterly, or it really depends on what you're trying to do in a company? Um, to be fair, <laughs> the simple answer, I suppose, is it really depends on the engagement for what it's okay. worth. Okay. But, but fundamentally, we, we tend to work in quarters. One of the reasons of that, from certainly my perspective, is it gives time to make change and see the change come through. Um, quite often, if you think about it, if you cancel a subscription for something, quite often you've got a 30-day term that you have to see out before you actually get to the end of paying for something when you cancel it. So a quarter gives us a good balanced view. It also takes into account any elements of seasonality by and large. If there is one month, typically August and December are months that people struggle with um, through that summer holiday and then just general end of year holiday period. Right. Um, it just evens things out a little bit. But yeah, you know, we keep track generally 50, 60% of profit first clients tend to allocate their money twice a month some businesses and the way that they work their business model in the background that can be weekly and for some it can be monthly but it's as long as it works for the business owner and it gives us the chance to keep track and keep on trail with where we are headed towards that top profit performing plan that's the most important aspect of it as i say it just depends how those numbers how far those those numbers are apart in the beginning will determine typically the amount of time it will take to get from where they are now to where we want them to get to. So it could be that some engagements could be quite short because the bridge might not be too long to cross. For others, I've got a client that I took on a couple of months ago, his operating expenses were up at 98%. And for, this, for his size of business, we should be down around the 65% level. So that's clearly something that will take time to establish, time to work our way through. But these incremental changes that we go through make sure that it isn't quite short, sharp shock treatment, it's sustained, we create a plan that is achievable on a quarter by quarter basis. So people don't feel overwhelmed with it um, all in one go. Interesting, yeah, no, no, that makes, makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious to know, um, you are one of the kind of few people that are, that are actually certified in this kind of profit first, um, you know, kind of concept why are there so kind of few because it seems like profit obviously is so important but it seems to be like you've kind of mentioned throughout the show maybe not the last thing people think about but it's not like in in the first few kind of things in a lot of cases uh, absolutely i mean there's about 400 of us worldwide 
Um, and there are about 100 of us who are out and out coaches, 300 of whom have bookkeeping or accounting practices, uh, practices attached to the main part of their business. Um, for me, it's the business growth coaching side. That's my piece, no bookkeeping or accounting practice in the background of that. Um, it is straight out and out financial and business growth coaching for me using profit first as the method to make that happen. I think um, like many things, um, it's quite often just to do with awareness, word of mouth, systems, um, and things gather pace over time. Um, things go through phases. Um, books get written or well promoted, theories, systems come into place, that ripple effect starts and so it goes on. So I'd certainly say that in, in the period of time that I've been with Profit First over the last um, 18 months to two years, there are um, more and more professionals joining to get up to that certified level um, so that they can take it out and deliver an extra layer of value into their client base. We talk about it in terms of eradicating entrepreneurial property. Our, our fundamental goal is to help as many businesses as we possibly can not live on a check-to-check -check basis, on a month-to-month -month basis. We want people to be confident about how they manage their money. So yes, you know, we are doing whatever we can to you know, preach the value of the system, the simplicity of the system, um, and the confidence that it breeds for a business owner. Yeah, it's actually kind of surprising to me how little, if any, of this stuff is actually taught in schools. Do, do you agree with that or what are your thoughts around that? It's interesting, actually, Kevin, I was doing um, a presentation earlier on and someone was talking about how um, children don't get taught to balance a checkbook at school anymore. Not only that, how they are becoming less familiar with physical cash concepts yeah. of a debit card going in a machine paying with apple pay on your watch or your phone you know we are moving further and further away from some of those fundamental things but as time goes by i think yes you know some of these principles will come to the fore um theories are taught but i also think that there is a lot of traditional theory that people almost have to go through to understand how things happen that the art is then about how things are applied, of course. And that I think is really where the real upside is. And I think it's, for some things, I think you, you need some miles under your belt before you can handle the simplicity of something like this to understand why it works, believe it or not. That actually getting some good core theory behind you is no bad thing, but then it's about understanding how that fits into making it simple in the modern world. Interesting. Yeah, I 100% I agree with you that. Yeah, I guess I never really thought of it from the angle of um, so many people like, really, it just be it becomes a number in your bank account, right? And when you don't really a lot of people don't use physical money that often anymore. It, it's probably even harder to kind of keep track of it. Because if you say like, I have $100 to spend for the month, well, it's really easy if you have that physical $100, and you only have you know, two or $3 left in your pocket come a couple days before the end of the month, you're like, well, that's all I have left. But with in the days of kind of credit or swiping a card or overdraft or a line of credit, it's really easy to just like, oh, I need that and go over budget, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, a, that's an excellent point that you've made there, Kevin. This idea that if you have a $100 bill, and that's all there is, it's all there is. 
And if you if you think about um, an average bank account, I certainly know that my personal checking account through history has looked like this. It's basically just a mess of transactions. There's money coming in, there's money going out. Yep. There's big amounts of money going out for mortgage or rent. There's small amounts of money coming out for Netflix. Whatever it might be, it's just a jumble of transactions that nobody really has a good handle on. So we find ourselves in a position now where we're going back to the idea about paying for something on Apple Pay on your phone. Where do we go to find a bank balance now? As business owners, we don't tend to go into accounting systems, even though we might have them. Um, we may not even go as far as online banking anymore because we probably have an app on our phone. And we are now intrinsically attached to our phones 24-7. Our world lives on our phone. So that idea of actually being able to go and look at the app on your phone and have a series of accounts set up that are going to um, allow you to clearly see and identify the money that you have set aside for profit, the money that you have set aside for your own owner's pay, the money that's building up in an account for tax, and consequently an account with whatever is left with which to run the operating expenses side of your business. This idea of breaking things down is nothing new, but actually when you start to apply it and add modern day behavior to it, incredibly powerful that a business owner can look at their phone and know exactly where they are at any time with all of those things and those elements. That's an incredibly powerful change as a result of technology that we're benefiting from. And now all that we're doing is using common modern day human behavior as a principle that sits behind it for Profit First to say, how does that feel compared to that one account with all of these transactions in it? It's complex, we can't pull it apart like that. It's too difficult to break down and understand what the money in that account is really for. How much of it really belongs to us? How much of it do we have to keep to one side just in case we need it for something else? So this idea of breaking things down into smaller constituent parts is, is a simple premise within life. We find it easier to focus on smaller things. So we just apply that modern behavior to how we think about managing the money. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, that totally makes sense. So you, have well you guys offer uh, the first two chapters of a book called profit first what exactly is the book about is it similar to basically all the stuff we've talked about today and uh walk us through through that and and how that ties to uh what you guys are doing so um profit first is a, is a book that was written by a guy called mike mccallowitz um a few years ago now um he'd been a successful business owner had run business businesses, sole businesses, um, and on completion of one of the sales, went off and did some other things, invested in a load of businesses, and basically lost an awful lot of money. Okay. And it was just in a period of time where he had this money, and it just got spent, ultimately. Had all the trappings of a good life, um, and then ultimately had got to a point where he didn't have what he needed to live life anymore. So... Um, the principle that he went through and the foundation of the book was then really about his journey, about how he unpicked all of those things that had caught him out along the way, all of the behavioral patterns that had cropped up that he then learned to recognize and effectively just turned that into a system by which to run a business effectively. And the great thing about it is he was writing it from a business owner's perspective, not an accountant's perspective. This was real life, him in the chair, 
running a business, thinking about money in his business in a different way. So all of the principles that come out of it, the thing I've just mentioned about separate bank accounts, for example, we have a core principle called small plates. It's how it's described in the book. And it okay. is fundamentally about limiting space for different things. Sequencing, you know, we've talked about that in terms of the primacy effect. We value what comes first. Consequently, again, how we allocate money to our profit account first before we allocate to other accounts becomes very important within how we actually perform as business owners and how we deal with that mindset piece. So it really just takes us through the journey and then obviously the market research that's been done in the background creates those benchmark levels that get us those top profit performing companies. We talk about how profit first as a method actually helps us when we're thinking about growing a business, which is outlined within the book as well. That can be about hiring staff and getting money set aside ready for new members of staff so that we know we can afford them when they arrive. Um, we talk about it in terms of saving money for new premises, um, offices, we can set aside money for marketing budgets. But all the time, the book is teaching us that we can be in control of our money and we can be incredibly intentional about what we do with our money. So from my perspective, I think about it a little bit like this. Most business owners have a goal and they don't have a plan that goes with the goal. Profit First gives us the financial plan to help us achieve those goals. It helps us register where we are. It helps us look at where we're going and it gives us a pathway to make that possible financially. So the book really just covers off Mike's personal journey with that and how the system was developed, how the research piece came together, how the system actually works is all laid out within the book. Very cool. So I'm curious, because we're kind of coming to the end of the show, is there any other advice you would give people um, with, with any of this kind of stuff we've talked about today from either kind of the profit side, the cash flow side, or, or, or any other advice you, you would give people? Uh, <laughs> funny enough, I'm, I'm, doing, um, I'm doing a course with somebody else on some marketing things. And one of the phrases that they use quite a bit is, from the point of view of this, when's the best time to plant an oak tree 200 years ago? When's the next best time? Today. And okay. the one thing that I would say is we grow up, thinking that money is hard in our business. We grow up thinking, and we, we sort of end up in this space where we think it's all very different. There's a lot of technical stuff that goes on. It's all very complex. There's a, this great big thing called tax that we're all frightened of. It doesn't have to be difficult, but it does require that people are find it within themselves to be ready to embrace the idea that it is not difficult. Profit First, as I said earlier on in the show, Kevin, is the simplest and most effective system that I've come across in 30 years of handling finance in businesses. Um, Interesting. It is something that makes sense to business owners because it deals in cash. And within the concept of Profit First, we use an entrepreneurial definition of profit, i.e. the cash in your bank account. And we use that as a central thing because it makes sense to people. And we understand the system on those bases so in terms of advice be open to the idea it's not nearly as difficult as you may previously have thought it was um, definitely read the book or listen to it it's obviously available through a portable um, version as well and 
embrace this idea that it does not matter where you are today, it matters more about the fact that you are ready to create a different financial future for yourself that has a framework, a system, and some guardrails attached to it. Trust the process, trust the system. Um, it works. And we are, as a group of um, Profit First professionals, we're here to help people implement. We're here to help people, whether they are just starting up, whether they have established businesses, whether they're 100,000 businesses, million dollar businesses, $10 million businesses, doesn't matter, system works. And it grows and scales with companies as people grow. So it's not like you have to learn lots of new things all the time as the business grows. Exactly the same principles. Simplicity is key to it. And there is a simple way to manage the money in your business. And this is the most simple system that I've found. Very cool. Well, we're, we're kind of out of time. So let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and any other links you want to mention. Sure. Thanks, Kevin. Um, first things first, website, um, jasonawithers.com forward slash profit dash first uh, is where is the easiest place to go find profit first. It's also where people will be able to download those first two chapters that you mentioned earlier on. And it will just reflect on some of the things we've talked about, like that slight little turnaround in that accounting equation for profit earlier on that we mentioned. Um, and then across social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, you can find me at Jason A. Withers, same account name for all of those platforms. Um, and then my current Facebook page, um, at Profit Gives You Choices. Um, and that's my day-to-day my -day community page there. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time of your day to be on the show and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Fantastic. Thanks very much for having me on the show today, Kevin. Much appreciated. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.